This year, build your credit history with the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. No credit checks to apply. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Chime checking account and 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply. You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Well, what a show for you today. The great Mario Andretti, an in-depth interview with Mario Andretti live at the World of Speed. Man still has his fastball. I think you will be very impressed with the stories he tells when we get into all that. First, Continental OE Technology Series. You find weird things in your car. Sometimes people even find bizarre things in their car. People find snakes in their car. Now, you want to find some belts? You find Continental belts. Bet you didn't know they're OE on millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, BMW, VW, GM vehicles. Continental is launching the aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series. Fanatically engineered for perfect fit. From, uh, form and function. Fit, form, and function for 90 8% of vehicles on the road in the U.S. and in Canada. Continental OE Technology Series Multi-V Belt. The belt with the OE pedigree. And get the full story at oetechnologyseries.com. That's oetechnologyseries.com. And now let's talk to the great Mario Andretti. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys for uh, right. coming out here and spending your uh, evening with us. Um, we do a uh, podcast called uh, CarCast, and uh, some of you may be familiar with it. That's uh, Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea Hello. over there. Uh, we travel around and we, uh, we share the good news. Uh, and uh, we do have good news for you guys tonight because uh, Mario Andretti is uh, with us, and he's backstage, and he's going to start uh, his way to the stage. So, big hand, put for your Ron hands Mario together. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mara, why don't you uh, have a seat uh, over here? We'll see if his uh, mic's uh, heated up. Uh, Mario, uh, thank you for joining us. We're all, of course, huge, huge fans. Um, I think, you know, everyone's a fan of Mario Andretti. Uh, Everyone sort of grew up with Mario Andretti. Um, But I think when you walk through the halls here and you see all the different vehicles he raced, especially in a time where people sort of pick a sport, you know, you either play baseball or you play football or you play basketball. And every once in a while, there's a Bo Jackson that comes along and plays two sports or a Deion Sanders who plays two sports. But when you see all the sports Mario Andretti did and uh, uh, it's it's that much more impressive when you pass the Pikes Peak car out there, when you pass the NASCAR, when you pass the GT40. Um, are you thankful that you came up in an era where you could drive everything? Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding? Um, feel blessed, actually, because uh, <clears throat> I, you know, my ambition was obviously to try to experience. Uh, the different disciplines, because as you know, our sport at the top level, you have uh, disciplines that you can just uh, potentially specialize in and be very happy. You know, like uh, uh, just to give an example, like uh, Richard Petty, you know, on a stock car, he never was in a sports car, never was in something else, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, uh, but I felt that uh, my specialty was open wheel, single seaters, and you know, which uh, is pretty widespread because of the 
the dirt tracks, that's where I started in, you know, the midget sprint cars. And then, um, of course, the, the champ cars, the Indianapolis cars, and then Formula One. But there's also sports prototypes, long distance racing, you know, that uh, I thought that was very fascinating. And, uh, and I, you know, I'd love to be able to have the opportunity to drive for the top teams like uh, Ferrari, Porsche, you know, along the way. And, you know, Le Mans, Daytona, 24-hour, Sebring and on, you know, and many of the others. So anyway, like, uh, uh, I, I got so much satisfaction out of being able to do that, and not just do it, but be able to win, you know, in different disciplines where it's not necessarily your specialty. In the, in the different types of racing that you've done over the years, by the way, 111 career wins, <laughs> pretty amazing. Thank you. Thank you. What... What was it about the different forms of racing that appealed to you most? Was it, was it the spectacle of F1, or was it just the challenge of the car, open wheel, and what makes you, like, and then you go and you do Le Mans. Is it, is it because you just want to run Le Mans, or just because you want to run a particular type of car? Yeah, I mean, uh, from a driver's standpoint, uh, the challenge is to be able to master that particular type of car, because... As you say, it's a little bit outside of your specialty, if you will. But and each car is like an animal, you know, like a, a wild animal. They're all different, you know. And uh, as an animal tamer, tamer you know, like uh, you say, uh, you got to try to make each one of these animals purr. Otherwise, they're <laughs> going to kill you, you know. So a race car is almost the same thing, you know, to, to try to understand the nuances and then what the car really wants, what it responds to. Uh, some are quicker, you know, like a laser, as far as they be able to, uh, to react and move around. Others are lazier and uh, easily overdriven, so you've got to be able to slow down to go fast. And, but all of these things, however, uh, teach you and bring you another dimension as far as knowledge of the dynamics of, of cars, period. And I thought that um, being able to, uh, to venture to other disciplines, it really helped me understand more what's going on you know, in our world and benefit, ultimately, because um, I, could, I could adapt you know, to even uh, you know, what I love, the Indy cars or Formula One, uh, sometimes adapt if the cars were not the way that I really wanted them to be. But I was able to find a way you know, to drive so I could overcome some of that, you know, the fact that we're on maybe not as balanced as they were. So all that I felt, you know, career-wise, it benefited me. But benefit is one thing, and, and the passion and the love for driving something else. And fundamentally, I just love driving a race car, period. Yeah. The, um... Adam, it was like you were saying, it's, it's difficult for any one professional athlete to to have the range that someone like Mario Andretti does, this isn't about becoming the best IndyCar driver. It's about becoming the best driver. And, like, who... Like, you can't do it if you're a golfer or a tennis player. You can't be the best ball player. Right. <laughs> you know, and hit every type well, of ball. Or... And, and also, it's an era that we'll, we'll never see that era again. It's, it's like in football when guys played offense and defense, you know. I don't think anyone can sort of challenge you for greatest driver of all time anymore because no one's going to be able to drive in that many different varied events. And one of them, the one that, I don't know why, but it, it, it struck me the most was Pike's Peak. And, uh, you know, Pike's Peak is dangerous and, and scary, and doing it in that champ car out there without a roll cage seems more dangerous and more scary. And uh, being the first man to do it in under 12 minutes, I believe, can you tell us the story of Pike's Peak and Mario Andretti? Well, uh, that's quite the story because, uh, you know, I was always uh, traveling around very friendly with the answers and uh, uh, Bobby especially. And, uh, and he just finally talked me into running Pike's Peak because that was, that was their thing. I mean, that was their playground. They, uh, obviously, you could not beat an answer 
the Pikes Peak period. They, they knew it so well. And uh, uh, the thing that's uh, really weird about that particular event is the fact that uh, unless you spend weeks of time there just going up and down, up and down, and, uh, and really figure out it's got, I don't know how many, hundreds of turns and so on and so forth in the 12 miles all the way up. Uh, and, and I didn't have the time to do that. So, but when you, during practice, you practice one third, then, and then the next day, one thir- the other third, and then the top. Mm-hmm. And that's the way, because they had different classes. They had stock cars, they had, the, you know, and the Indy car. I mean, yeah, then the champ cars. So the different categories, so they couldn't, you know, because... Uh, go all the way up. The go all the way up. So anyway, front. and when you qualify, it was only from starting line to Glencoe, which is midway. So right. the only time you did it full was race day. And so even though you have it in your head... And even the night before, you go, okay, God, uh, we know we're up there, we're on the tree line, and that's and so on and so forth. Especially a couple of the years, like one, one, one area they call it the Devil's Playground. It's uh, you're up above the tree line, and uh, and it's actually your top speed will be at like 125, 130 miles an hour. Uh, it's almost a, it, you're at the top. You're probably at about 10,000 feet already. And it's got a, a the straightaway's got a, a downhill slope, mm-hmm. and at the end it's got a, a right hander, and no guardrail, and you could drop down two thousand feet. So uh, I mean, and and during practice, I'm said, okay, there's a rock number one, number two. That's where I'm going to back off. And on race day, you know, you have uh, of course a lot of people on the sidelines. And you lose your bearings. Right. And, you don't uh, see your markers. You don't see your markers. And uh, you have no idea uh, how, many, how much risk I took you know, that when I won. Because, uh, um, quite honestly, I felt the areas where everybody was going to back off. Because, uh, you, know, if, if, if you, uh, you know, if you go over the side, a bird will... They used to say the bird will build a nest up your butt before you reach the bottom. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> and they were right, <laughs> you know. But uh, so these are the areas where I, I really uh, took a lot of risk, you know, going deeper and just really pitching sideways. And and I made it. And you know, this was the fourth, the third time that that I raced there. And um, so when I won it, I figured I'm never coming back because I said there's no way. When I got to the top, I said, man, I need a shot, you know, whiskey at, here. At, at that point, the answers were probably like, thanks, buddy, you're Call out. Me down, you're done. You know? It's our mountain. You're yeah, done. It was, uh, it was one of those, you know, it just uh, it was way uh, a lot of risk. But, uh, you know, a lot of satisfaction goes with it because, you know, that you got away with it, you know. You got to you dodge a few bullets. We were uh, we were talking backstage uh, about uh, so we had talked some years ago. I think when the movie uh, Rush came out with uh, the Ron Howard, Brian Grazer, uh, the Hunt, and uh, Nicky Lotta film, and uh, Mario was telling me that it was a little miffed that uh, when they were looking at the leaderboard and Hunt was, got third place or did he get fifth place or do we know, they sort of cropped Mario out who won the race at the top. And I literally saw Brian Grazer yesterday and I told him Mario's pissed. <laughs> And we're going to see him tomorrow, and we're going to tell him. And he, 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 he did laugh, but we were, you know, if you watched a movie, it's a really good movie, but obviously the, the focus of the movie is, is Hunt, who came in third place, but Mario won that race in that downpour in, uh, I'm not sure, what part of Japan was that in, sorry? Mount Fuji. It was Mount Fuji. Fuji, and that's an incredible race, yeah. and... Uh, For those of you who saw the film, I I think it'd be nice to sort of walk us through that day and that deluge (laughs) in winning that race. Well, again, you know, it was uh, the the start of the race was coming up, and uh, I mean, uh, and the skies just opened. I mean, a deluge. And uh, as drivers, we were trying to see if they could get uh, the organizers to delay the race by maybe 30 minutes. And they said because of TV, they 
They said, no, we got to go. And, and circumstances were really dire, I'm telling you. And, uh, you know, in Formula One, uh, you don't just, uh, you know, do pace laps or anything else. You know, you just go, you start standing start and you go. And in those days, uh, you didn't even do one lap like they do now, then stop and go. You had to just go. You got in the car and that was a start. And quite honestly, I mean, the, the aquaplaning was unbelievable. Down the straightaway especially. The straightaway was the worst part. I mean, they would just pop, pop, pop. You know, you can keep the car straight. And, you know, a lot of guys went off and so forth. And, uh, you know, I was uh, lucky. I was able to just keep it on the track. And uh, and everything went well, you know. Uh, and James also uh, obviously kept it on there. And he couldn't catch me, uh, you know, because it, it, the track was drying. And, of course, with the, uh, with, with the uh, rain tires, you know, the rain tires start coming apart, you know, because of their soft rubber and everything else. So it was a kind of a strategy thing. And uh, uh, I was wondering, you know, as a leader, what the hell are you going to do? You know, do I stop for... For dry tires at the end, you know, for the last five, six laps. Because with dry tires, all of a sudden you pick up 10, 12 minutes a lap. I mean, uh, seconds a lap. So anyway, I know that Hunt went in the pits for, uh, toward the end of the race for, for, uh, for slicks. And, uh, and he was catching, but I mean, I was, I was far enough ahead of him. And I was hunting for wet spots toward the end. The race everywhere, you know, so I could stay in the wet and keep the tires together. And I still beat him by more than a lap. Did, uh, yeah, but if you saw the movie, you couldn't tell. Yeah, <laughs> it seemed like James Hunt may have won that race. Um, I guarantee you I did it, though. <laughs> Yeah. I told you you'd be loving Mario Andretti. The guy's a saint. Now, Tommy John. Oh, man. It's hot out there. A lot of people working up a lather downstairs. I always wear Tommy John the best. You'll never go back. You will never go back to what you were wearing before you started wearing Tommy John. That much I promise you. Legs never ride up. Waistbands never roll down. Horizontal, quick-draw fly, saves men tons of time fumbling down there. Featherlight air fabric guarantees zero visibility on the panty lines for the ladies, so that's a plus. All backed by the best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free, guarantee. It's the best. You will never return to your old underpants once you've set sail for Tommy John. Tommy John, no adjustment needed. Right, Max Pata? Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash CarCast now to get 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com slash CarCast for 20% off. TommyJohn.com slash CarCast. When, uh, a question I've never had, but uh, were there always radios in cars when you were racing? And if not, when did those start? Because I know they've been around for a while, but also I'm not sure if you had them in the early days. Well, we, we had radios when, uh, actually, when you come in a pit and so on and so forth, so you could, uh, you could communicate with the engineer, but they, they did not allow, the radios, you could have had them, but they did not allow radios, uh, you know, in communication while you were When you were the, driving, driving so there was no, you know? no spotters So or at that point, there was, yeah, no communication. It was all, you know, by, by board, the signal board. You know, so, um, uh, and you'd be surprised how well you could still communicate with that, except you could only do it once a lap, you know, when right. you saw the board. But uh, it was like that for everybody else, you know. So, uh, but again, you know, it was just uh, later on, it felt for even for safety reasons that they would allow to have radio communications, uh, you know, while you were uh, driving. Do you, uh, I, I made a documentary about uh, Paul Newman, and Mario was nice enough to contribute to it. And, uh, of course... Uh, Newman Haas back in the day in Indy and uh, your son as well. Um, do you have thoughts, memories of uh, of Paul in those those days? Oh gosh, uh, wonderful memories. Uh, Paul was really an incredibly, uh, I mean, outstanding individual in every way, honestly, um, because um, and he. 
the, the best part about the man was that he really, truly loved our sport. Um, he was not just a figurehead, uh, you know, a celebrity. Um, he, he was all in. And uh, as you know, he was driving himself, you know. So, but um, uh, he was a great supporter. And um, as a team owner, I'm telling you what, uh, I just love driving for the man. I, I drove for him for, for 12 seasons, you know. And I'm the one that brought Car uh, Haas and Paul together as partners and they hated each other you know because uh, he was uh, uh, Paul when he was in the Can-Am series uh, he was uh, he was uh, racing Lola's and and Carl Haas was the importer of Lola's and he was uh, he was telling uh, accusing Carl that he was selling Paul cars overweight <laughs> you know so <laughs> and uh, so that was that sort of thing. But I, I brought them together, and it was uh, turned out to be a marriage, marriage made in heaven because, uh, you know, the, su- the success that they had with the team, not only myself, but with, uh, with my son, you know, Michael, and also with, um, you know, with uh, the Bardet, you know, uh, sure. Sebastian Bardet Sebastian and, and others, the uh, matter. So anyway, it was, uh, but Paul... You know, he was a great guy. He was a real prankster, too, you know, and uh, you would never think, you know, that he would be that, but uh, but he was, and I enjoyed that side of it, you know, uh, and he always great for bets, you know, we, we'd we bet, you know, on anything, you know, like football or whatever. It seemed like, you know, he always lost, and uh, <laughs> but we, well, we bet like buck 79, you know, mm-hmm. and... Yeah. Uh, and then so then I still have he sent me a check he FedEx next day a check and it cost him tw- like eighteen bucks to FedEx it and it was a check for dollar seventy nine you know that type of thing it was um, he, he was just a neat guy you know it was just so fun to to be around the uh, one of the other cars that's uh, out front there's a GT forty uh, Ford obviously I think it's a Mark IV and uh, that's the one you won. Overall at Sebring in uh, 67, I think, or 68, I can't... Uh, 67. Uh, 60, 67. Um, you have some recollections of that, of that win? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a win is obviously uh, is always uh, sweet, as you can imagine. In fact, it was only a couple of weeks after I won Daytona, the 20, the, you know, the 500. Uh, you know, so uh, it was, you know... <laughs> Uh, it was great to have that kind of uh, you know the success you know in a short period of time and then uh, my my co-driver was uh, Bruce McLaren a good friend a great guy he taught me a lot about road racing uh, in those days and uh, and again as uh, as you know there's a there's a movie about uh, Ford Ford v Ferrari v Ferrari coming out and uh, yeah. and this was the period where Ford uh, just wanted at all costs win Le Mans. And I mean, and they pulled nothing. I mean, there was amazing the effort they had behind it. And because of that, they did so much testing. And I volunteered to be part of all the tests because I wanted to hone my skills in road racing because of Formula One. And, uh, and uh, because of that, I was part of uh, the development from the J car, you know, the Mark II. And then the J car, and then this was uh, the you know the ultimate uh, right. uh, GT40, which was a Mark IV, and um, and and I, I was uh, involved in high speed testing because they didn't have time to do wind tunnel testing in Kingman, Arizona. You know we were running uh, speeds in the 230 mile an hour range and you know, on a on a five mile track and comparing to the other cars. So I was very familiar with this car. And um, it was, uh, you know, it was definitely uh, worth, a worthy winner. Well, speaking of uh, that movie, I think Christian Bale's going to be playing Ken Miles. Yeah, coming Matt up. Damon's playing Care of Sebi. We uh, spent, spent a little time at Laguna Seca two weeks ago with Ken Miles' son, his uh, mechanic and uh, working. Peter. With, uh, Peter Miles with uh, Chip... Uh, Connor. Chip Connor, yes. Got a couple of nice cars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He, uh, do you have uh, recollections of Ken Miles? I do, actually. Uh, uh, but um, uh, I joined the team uh, uh, a season, the season after they had begun. And he was there at the very beginning. 
and um, he was the, the senior test driver, and um, and I was basically the junior, and uh, but then you know obviously uh, I came you know a long way after that, but uh, because I, I was part of all of it, but uh, and then he was killed uh, at Riverside, you know, during the test we were at together with the J car. Uh, and so I didn't get to spend much time with him uh, because I used to really pick these guys' brains all the time because, uh, you know, uh, these guys were so experienced and uh, uh, road racers, and, and I really, I was in a learning stage, you know, that I wanted to, again, to hone my skills because uh, my objective was to, to uh, try to get into Formula One as soon as I could. I'll tell you why. It was in 65 when I was a rookie at Indianapolis. I finished third, and Jim Clark won uh, in the Lotus. At the banquet after the race, Monday, they were saying our goodbyes. <clears throat> I said to Colin Chapman, I said, uh, Colin, uh, someday I'd like to do Formula One. And he said, Mario, when you think you're ready, you call me and I will have a car for you. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, as a kid hearing that from Colin Chapman. So, and I went to work, you know, to try, because at that time in IndyCars, you know, they they didn't have many road races. In fact, uh, in 65, they only had one road race, and I won it. And that was the only race that I won that season, but I won the championship because I was running, you know, second and thirds and so forth. But uh, the bottom line is this, uh, uh, I lobby like crazy to get more and more road racing, you know, in IndyCars because of that. But uh, three years later, in 68, I called, I told Colin, I said, I'd like to do the last race of the season. And, uh, and he, uh, actually, I said, I'd like to do the last two races of the season, which included Monza. And I went, uh, and he said, right, I'll have a car. And we went to Monza. I tested, I felt, immediately I felt really, really part of that car, the Formula One, because of, it's so nimble, light, and so, you know, just uh, reactive, you know, and, uh, and, and so we did well. In the first test, you know, actually I was quicker than Chris Amon uh, had set a time about a week before in a Ferrari, so. But um, Monza, it's a long story. I don't know if I want to uh, take that much time, but the Monza... Um, I had to come back on a Saturday to race at the Hoosier 100 in Indianapolis with one of those dirt cars, like, you know, the right. one with and because I was up for the championship. And uh, so I qualified on a Friday and got on a, you know, a plane, obviously, back here, and I finished second to Foyt at the Hoosier 100 on the dirt. Went back Sunday morning, and I was... I was in violation of the 24-hour rule but an hour and 20 minutes when I got there and they be, before the start of the race, and they didn't let me start. The was the rule that you needed to be there or sleep there? Or or like no, the rule was that you could not compete in another FIA event, which is, you know, even the IndyCar, even the, all the championship races in IndyCar were FIA events uh, within 24 hours. But, I knew that that was going to be the problem, and the, um, the organizers, Bacigalupi and Count Lurani, they agreed that they were going to waive the rule because I said, you know, what's the point, me even trying it? And then, but uh, when I arrived there, there was a protest, and Colin Chapman, actually Ferrari protested, <laughs> and, and uh, Colin Chapman couldn't speak a word of Italian, they wouldn't let me in the room, you know, to, uh, to, to defend myself, and... And so they did not let me start. So the, the following race was at, at the Watkins Glen, and I never seen one. And I put the car on pole, you know, with Jackie Stewart second. So, and that was my very first experience, you know, in Formula One. So uh, I was pretty well prepared for it. And a lot of it, I, I, uh, I give credit to, uh, you know, the Ford program, you know, really to prepare me as much as possible for that sort of thing. Castrol Edge, stronger under pressure. Engines can lose up to 10% of performance due to friction. Castrol Edge, fluid titanium, works better under pressure. Three times, fool. Three times stronger than leading full synthetic against viscosity breakdown. It's the best. They did a test with 5W30 viscosity grades, full synthetic, and they were three times better. 
Edge. It's formulated in ways to exceed the toughest industry standards. It is Castrol Edge. You know, you talk about sports car racing and having honing your skills in, in the road courses. Let's talk about Le Mans for just a second. You won your class in Le Mans, but you did it at an event where it rained 17 of the 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean that I love that place, uh, you know, because you really stretch your legs there. I mean, uh, uh, high speed. I mean, and uh, half of it now is, you know, half of it is public roads. And the other half is, uh, of course, you know, just a, a regular circuit, you know, a permanent circuit, I should say. Uh, but um, there's something about it, you know, that um, uh, because of the mix of driving, I just love driving that place. And, um, you know, as you say, in the wet, though, I mean, I'm telling you, at night, in the wet, the speed that you're going, and you're always in traffic because, uh, you know, they have, you know, at least three classes running. And so the closing rate... And uh, I know, and I remember uh, this one particular year, you know, open car, uh, in, I think it was in 1995, um, I did three stints. Yeah, that's it, right there. We're looking at yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> I did three stints in the wet, yeah. and, um, and, and, you know, you had to pick the shutoff point at the end of Malsan, you know, this, this 3.2 miles straight away. Um, you know, I, I'm looking, there was a, a church steeple that I was looking because I, I couldn't see the shutoff markers because of, you know, the, the, the fog in front of you, you know. This and is then, before the chicane. This is before the chicane. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but, but even after the chicane, still, you know, it's a tough one there regardless. Sure. But before the chicane. And, uh, and all of a sudden I said, oh, my God. Uh, you know, I said, I hope, I hope that... Uh, St. Christopher doesn't leave me. I said that he keeps that church steeple, you know, nice and clear, you know, because that was my shut off. Yeah, just a beam of light on that. That's all you need, (laughs) just to shine the light there. I also um, wanted to ask you, we we, uh, probably a couple of months back, we had uh, Parnelli Jones and his son in the studio telling us some wonderful stories, and they talked a bit about the uh, turbine car and doing some testing with that. And you work with them on that. You drove that for them, right? I, I did, um, yeah. A little, that actually, car's crazy, by the way. <laughs> I, I envy them because uh, he had so much advantage with that car. Uh, because um, <clears throat> just clearly, you know, uh, to arrive, the turbine car was not regulated. So Andy Grantelli was really smart to all of a sudden show up with a turbine car. And uh, the little did we know that... Uh, one stint of fuel for us it took 80 gallons of fuel and the turbine with the turbine car they could do it in 35 35 gallons so you know uh, uh, ultimately uh, we were fastest you know with a you know with a standard car like uh, he qualified I think 7th or 8th you know in in the race in in, uh, 67 and uh, but the start of the race I'm on pole and he's blowing by me on a straightaway, like he, I mean, and uh, and it's uh, there's even a T-shirt out because I flipped him a bird, you know, when he went by. <laughs> and he knew. That that was an all-wheel drive you that car, t-shirt? wasn't it? You want that T-shirt? Was yeah. that an all-wheel drive? Car that was a, that? yeah, all-wheel drive. It just design. seems like a crazy piece of technology in the 60s to have a turbine car that was an all-wheel drive. Yeah, yeah. I drove uh, I Was that one of, had to be one of the few all-wheel indie cars, or sort of modern all-wheel indies, right? I don't well, actually, in 69, um, the two years later, they, oh, before, you know, the big crash, uh, you know, when the wheel came off, I was driving the Lotus four-wheel drive car, which was a derivative of the... Uh, a turbine car of the year before of 68 when it dominated and um and i um you know i had the ferguson system you know 7030 which was fabulous and we were setting records you know uh you know every day you know when we were practicing and then uh, but the car started coming apart you know breaking they were you know under design and uh, you know in 69 two days before qualifying uh, the right rear wheel sheared, you know, the hub sheared, and I had a big crash, fire, and everything else. The car was destroyed to the ground. They had to withdraw all the cars, 
uh, you know, at the time. Then I had to go out there with my the standard car. We never, you know, I really uh, planned to, to race with because uh, we had two, t- two of those four-wheel drive cars and... Um, and you know we still got lucky, you know, in the race we still won it. But uh, were the were the four wheel drive cars faster in the corners? The corners, yes. And a little slower in the straights. Yes, or is that it. how it laid you out? It. You got it. Yeah, yeah. They uh, because uh, obviously uh, you know the drivetrain takes away you know quite a bit of uh, because the friction uh, takes more power to you know to 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 navigate through that. So. Um, yeah, definitely straight line was uh, slower, but uh, all the time we were doing was through the corner, you know, through the corner and the short shoot, you know, applying a lot of power. Um, ultimately, I think it still would have been, if the car could have stayed together, it would have been really, really, uh, you know, a big advantage. If you could just drive one series, um, and you, you, uh, we've talked about uh, so many, but, um, but if you just had to pick one and somebody said you have to start your career over tomorrow and you just pretty much have to pick a sport, now he's gonna put me what, back. what series <laughs> would you drive? Give me two. All right, I'll give me two. <laughs> Indy cars and Formula One. Oh, yeah. Indy and yeah. Formula One? All right. IndyCars, I'll tell you what, something about IndyCar as a top-level series, to me, uh, produces the most complete champion because there's no other series at that level that's as diversified. Um, you know, in NASCAR, they're trying to do a little more and more road racing, but the road race that, that they do is very simple, like, you know, even at Watkins Glen, they don't do the long, you know, the, the, the loop and all that. Um, and even at Sonoma, they cut a lot of corners out but uh in indycar with the street courses the you know the natural courses short ovals super speedways you know uh to be a champion you have to be, be able to navigate all of them and um and that's to me as a driver it's the ultimate challenge do you think it's as it's as exciting today as it was back then oh, looking at yes. where where yeah. indycar is going gone like yeah. the, the amount of technology, and now we've got an aero shield that's being developed and a halo that's being developed, well, and all kinds of interesting. Well, the safety is safety. I mean, it's, at least we keep the drivers around. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, <laughs> you know, but uh, as far as the technology, uh, let's put it uh, this way: the IndyCar series right now is uh, really enjoying some great times because of the depth of uh, talent. Number one is in the driver yeah. pool, and plus the teams. Uh, you know, there are teams that, uh, you know, as deep as 16, 18 deep, you know, in a, in a pool are capable of winning. And, you know, and th- there's something to be said. I don't think I remember ever to be this competitive. So uh, the IndyCar series is enjoying some great times right now. And what do you think of Formula E? That's what I thought. I, I tell you, I tell you, little, I tell you a little I, story, real quick. Well, oh, okay. Real right. quick, that, that by formerly, uh, my my son has a team there, and the uh, and the um, organizer, actually the owner of the series, uh, that's Alejandro Agag, uh, says to uh, to Michael, he says, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, he says, uh, Michael. I would like to do an interview with your father. And Michael says, I don't think you do. (laughs) (laughs) Mario Andretti, everybody. Thank you, my friend. Great job. He's still got it. If you're uh, listening at home, you can check out his website, MarioAndretti.com, and shoot him a tweet at Mario Andretti as well. Well, how about it? Mario Andretti. Am I right or am I right? All right, we got a little Q&A coming up in a second. First, BetOnline.ag. Are you ready for some football? It's officially happening. The week one NFL kickoff. It's upon us. Look 
for a place to make online wagers. Hmm, where should you go? Might I suggest betonline.ag. Take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Huge matchups. Week one, Green Bay, Chicago, Atlanta, Minnesota, Rams, Carolina, Pittsburgh, New England. We've got a $500 in reward deal for you. Get 500 bucks rewards, and we'll give it out each week to five listeners and a $5,000 season-long charity contest. Join the conversation on Twitter with hashtag Sportsnet Challenge. That's hashtag Sportsnet Challenge. I got the, the Chiefs over the Jags, the Chargers versus the Colts, the Browns over the Titans, and the Rams over the Panthers, and the Seahawks over the Bengals. So check it out. Use the promo code PODCAST1. Get a 50% sign-up bonus today. BetOnline.ag. Um, you know, we're talking about doing a little Q&A. I felt like uh, we about covered it with Mario Andretti, who, uh, when I was nine years old, I thought were two people. So... <laughs> I've come a long way in the race world myself. Um, you want to do a couple of Q and A questions, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll wrap this uh, night yeah. up and uh, enjoy a cold one. Uh, Chris is out Chris there has with got a, a microphone for with you. A microphone, if anyone, if anyone questions. has questions for us. Did you guys ever fix the head gaskets on the Nissan Turbo car, the one with the fire rings? Uh, no, we had a. Uh, a situation on a, I think it was Newman's 1987 2 plus 2. Uh, it was a Trans Am. I mean, it's a Nissan Trans Am car. I I'd always I hate that there's a Trans Am series in a Trans Am car, and people think I'm talking about Knight Rider. Um, <laughs> but uh, there was something to do with some O-rings and some head gaskets, and uh, it's a big kettle of expensive fish. And uh, I just got into another car and started racing another That's car. It. Just so, moved uh, to a different car. Also, he, we mostly blame Leno for that. We blame Leno. Yeah, yeah. We, we brought the car out to Sonoma. Uh, we had a little issue with the cam and a and a timing belt, and it turned out uh, that. The race heads, they actually would repair them with basically epoxy clay, yeah. I guess, and then like pour it out the clay and a chunk of that busted off and got sucked up into a valve or something and clogged, seized up a valve and it ended up spinning the timing belt on. Under and, Leno's watch. Anyway, I, it's all Leno, but yeah, listen. It's all Jay. Look, if anyone builds Nissan race engines, talk to me after the show. But, man, I got to tell you, there's like three guys on the planet who build those turbo motors, and they got you by the short hairs, and they take your engine, and, and your uh, money. they don't give it back. They just take your checks. It's, 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 it's tough. Those, you know, the, the one thing... I definitely would say I get jealous about is when we go to the races and we see these guys are running Mustangs with 289s in them or even a 289 Cobra or big block Cobra or, you know, a Trans Am car, you know, from 69, 70. You know, you can get the distributor cap from Napa Auto Parts for nine bucks. You know, you could get that engine rebuilt at a lot of different places. If you're dealing with these 80s Nissan turbo cars and those engines break, man, it is a fortune and a lifetime to get those things oh, yeah. put back together. And the, the Porsche 935 is the same way. Luckily, that's in one piece. But that example, the distributor cap, which, by the way, six cylinder, 12 plugs. It's a $1,500 distributor cap. <laughs> and, and God forbid you need a distributor. That's $8,000 if you can find one. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, it's nuts. I got to get into carding. <laughs> <laughs> right, thank you. Thank you. Got another question over there. How great was Mario Andretti? I know. Such a, a great ambassador for the, for the sport, right? I know you uh, just bought the 935 just recently, but is there another historic uh, race car in your crosshairs? I, you, you just did your new shop, too, so I know there's a lot of funds going out, but is there anything you have <laughs> in mind? There, there, Actually, there was a car that was just purchased. The 935 he got in 2016, but the newest car, it's only a few months old, yeah. is... 
There, there's yeah. a 911, a 74 911 sort of S. done up like a ass. It's like an RSR. And Newman actually ran it at uh, Sebring in 77. Finished a race. Didn't do that well. I think came in like 11th in GT. But it's a 74 big big bodied uh, RSR. And it, and it ran like Sebring, I don't know, five or six times. It and, ran the 24 and, hours at Daytona, Daytona five or six times. It turned out to be an incredible racing history. It participated in so many races. So we just got that. Haven't done much with it yet other than stare at it and flip through the books and do the history on it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Is there, is there a wish list race car? The, there's, there, I mean, there's, you're about to raise the price of it. There's right? another, <laughs> there is another Newman uh, 280ZX turbo car straight six this time that's kind of out there in a, a, a in a bunch of pieces and uh i have some newman uh oldsmobile cutlass cars and i have some 300 zx's and i have uh a 280 zx or or so but uh this this one is different than anything i have i have some turbo v configuration cars it's a straight six it's a cool piece it's a kind of kind of a bucket uh so we'd have to put it back together but that is a car that i'm trying to get and i think it would be the 12th newman car that uh that i have the the other car that i would like to have seen show up in the collection at some point we were never able to get it was um toward the end of newman's career he raced a c5 corvette and uh, I like that car, and it's not a Datsun or a Nissan. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I drove a C7 Corvette at uh, in a Trans Am race at Willow Springs, and and I loved it. So I'm yeah. I'm I'm converted. Everyone's got the to do list. How about Geico, man? How about you save money on your auto insurance at Geico? Just go to Geico.com. 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on your auto insurance. You take that extra money, you put it in your pocket, you save it for a rainy day. That's Geico, geico geico.com. Should we do one more question before we uh, call it a night? Hey, guys. uh, When I was a kid, my dad took me and my brother to a Jaguar dealership to look at a brand-new XJ220 right when they first came out. Yeah. And that was the the car that... I think made me fall in love with cars. That was just the coolest thing in the in the world. And so my question to both you guys is, is there a car you can think of from being a kid or whenever else you saw that that made you fall in love with cars? You saw that car and you said, that is the coolest thing in the world, and you've been hooked on cars ever since. Ooh, a 95 Ford Lightning. <laughs> uh, no, actually... Mine's a GMC Typhoon. <laughs> yeah, the Typhoon. It's a battle of trucks up uh, here I for love sure. the steering wheels, man. <laughs> the flat dash and the, flat f- dash. the fake Allen head fake screws. Fake Allen the- <laughs> heads, man. <laughs> the plastic. Nothing says speed like fake Allen heads in a dash. Um... I do like that XJ220. I've been a fan of that for a long time. That's his, that's his favorite. Yeah. And, uh, it is one of our favorite. Cool piece. And uh, for those of you who can, can Google it who don't know what we're talking about, but it was the Jag supercar, mm-hmm. mid-engine, had the turbocharged V6 in it. Got a little bit of a rap at the time because it's like, hey, where's the V12? Come on, you're a supercar. What do you got? You got a Ford Ranger engine in yeah. this thing, and you're a supercar. But... They worked, and uh, I don't know. They're they're up over four hundred, getting getting near five hundred grand now, and uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna keep going. I think it's a cool piece. Um, when I was a little kid, uh, the car that I thought was the coolest shape because you know when you're when you're eight years old, you don't really know from overhead valve or V ten or V six or whatever zero to sixty. I still think that the Dino Ferrari is one of the coolest shaped cars. Now, it's kind of gutless, and it's kind of slow, and it'd be really cool if it was 350 horsepower instead of 186 horsepower, whatever it is. You can LS swap it. But if you just... (laughs) If you just picture a Dino Ferrari to a nine-year-old and you just kind of picture the way the vents were worked into the the doors and everything 
That car, that car is one of the best shaped cars. And it, it kind of has kind of a like a speed racer cartoon sports car look to it as well. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. It's fantastic. What's uh, so yours? Oh wait, are we looking uh, at it? Oh, so wait. it was yeah. the XJ two twenty. But I'll tell you, is early on, I love the stories as much as just the the poster of the car on the wall. And when I saw the movie with Jeff Bridges about Tucker, I fell in love with the Tucker and I've kind of been a fan ever since because of that movie. So yeah, I would love to have a Tucker. No, he wouldn't. He doesn't like Tucker. (laughs) (laughs) You got to pick a sexier car. You picked it. Well, it's not the sexiest car. I like No, no, you picked the typhoon or the cyclone. I don't know. Cyclone, whatever. (laughs) Yuck. Maybe the, yeah, all right. So I'm going to say uh, I, the, the cars I love, I always give it the same answer. I love the BMW M1 Pro car. Not so much the street version, the street but ones. the Pro. Eh. The street's a little, eh. a little 80s, but the Pro car, if you guys ever see the M1 in full race trim with the BMW M colors going across yeah. the, the hood at an angle and everything... That is just a killer car. Some of those guys have been in some of my races. They have this naturally aspirated, I think it's a 3.5 straight six with just that crazy injection in it. And they tack that thing up to like 8,500. And those, there you go. Oh, yeah, those things, those things just scream. That, that is a cool looking car and race and race trim. All right, you guys, uh, put your hands together one more time for Mario Andretti, please. And uh, that's Matt, the moderator, D'Andrea over there. And Adam Carolla, guys. And until next time, this is Adam Carolla for Matt, the moderator, D'Andrea, saying keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. Thank you, guys. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.